0: Well, it is great to be with you, everybody. Great to be speaking here to people in the flesh as well as those of you uh, joining us online. Um, I'd love to begin by catching you up with some uh, good news. And that is that we as a family entered into the most recent lockdown as a family of four. And we come out of it as a family of five. And that is because... Um, Arlo John Webster uh, was born at 5 to 1 on uh, the 1st of April. He is uh, a lovely little lad. Uh, I'm sure you'll uh, all get to meet him at some point uh, soon. Uh, Becky was amazing through the whole process, described by the midwife during all proceedings as the epitome of woman, which I uh, could not disagree with. Um, and the boys love him as well, Jack and Isaac. So it's been a very happy but very tired last uh, Last month or so, having uh, the new uh, uh, addition, I was going to say new visitor to our family, that's what my mum used to say if anyone got mice, so let's not say that, Uh, our new addition to the family. Um, I trust that you enjoy receiving good news. I certainly like sharing good news. And that means that we are doubly blessed today because actually from the passage we arrive at in our sermon series, Revive Us, we are actually at the point where the Apostle Peter shares the good news of Jesus. That is the gospel itself. And actually, I think this is really important for us as a church and particularly at this particular point in time. You know, we just had... You know, to say the least, a very strange 13, 14 months uh, in this country and all around the world. And we've been knocked this way and that. It's a very uncertain time because of COVID, the restrictions and lockdowns and so on. And I think there's no better time really for us to revive our confidence in the Lord by looking at this most central truth, that is the good news of Jesus Christ. And I believe as we do, as we consider it, as we look at it, as we glory in the good news of Jesus today, that will provide an anchor for our soul and revive our confidence in the things of the Lord. We're actually joining the Apostle Peter halfway through his sermon on the day of Pentecost. If you remember from last time, unpacked so wonderfully by uh, Ellie Mumford, that what had happened on the day of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the people of God. And had caused such commotion that they actually draw a crowd. So there in Jerusalem, this crowd pull up And they're looking at these people behaving this exuberant way because they've received the Holy Spirit. They've been filled. And such is the commotion they see that people actually think maybe those being filled with the Spirit are drunk. They say they've had too much wine. And the Apostle Peter stands up boldly and he explains what's going on. And he said, no, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I've always liked that line as if, you know, come back at three, they'll be hammered. But right now, uh, it cannot be the reason. He said, they're not intoxicated on wine. Rather, they are intoxicated on the Holy Spirit of God. This is the promised outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will take place in the last days. And that's where we got up to last time. Today, as we continue with the passage, we see that what Peter goes on to say is essentially this, is that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit could only take place because of what Jesus has done, because of the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus is central, he is the most important thing, and therefore he's central to this infilling of the Holy Spirit. And Peter stands up and he explains that Jesus lived, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was raised again on the third day, all according to the plan of God. And then, significantly, he then ascended to be at the right hand of the Father. And that's significant because it's at that point, at the right hand of the Father, that Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit on his people. Um, what Peter is basically saying is, if you want to be a part of this, you need to come through Jesus and 3000 people that day are cut to the heart they repent their sins put their faith in Jesus and they receive forgiveness and the holy spirit and so we're going to take a look through this passage and my specific prayer as we do as we glory in the good news of Jesus Christ as unpacked by Peter here is that we will have a revival of confidence in the power uh, sorry in the plan in the power and in the promise of God So if you're game for that and you want to come in with me, whether you're here with me today, whether you're watching Cambridge, whether you're uh, watching online, my prayer for you, for me, for all of us, is that we will receive, first of all, a revival of confidence in the plan of God. I don't know how this last 13, 14 months has been for you. Maybe you've had a great time, but I think there's a good chance that a good many of us, and I'd I'd be the first to say this, 13, 14 months hasn't been the best for me spiritually. That's not some great confession of sin. I'm just saying that's the way it is. And maybe it's exactly the same for some of you. You know, we've had COVID, we've had these restrictions, we've had all these uncertainties. You may have lost loved ones, you may have lost jobs. And maybe right now you're not feeling particularly confident in the plan of God for your life. And by the way, by the plan of God, I don't mean like God is some kind of puppet master and just some deterministic type plan. What I'm talking about is being under the providential love and care of God. Maybe you're not really feeling that right now. Maybe it feels like this whole situation has kind of of caught God uh, by surprise, caught him off guard. And you don't feel that confidence of of being in the plan of God. Maybe that's led to anxiety and fear in the uncertainty that you might be living in right now. Would well, you know what? I think the Apostle Peter would really be able to empathise with you. After all, if you rewind just a little while before the day of Pentecost, when Peter is speaking so boldly, if you were to go back to Easter Saturday, that is after the crucifixion of Jesus and before the resurrection, I dare say that the Apostle Peter right then was not looking around thinking, well, this is all fine, God's in control, God, I'm in God's A1 plan for my life. Now, bear in mind that Peter had been following Jesus around for three years. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. In fact, he was the first one to confess him as the Christ, as the Messiah. He'd seen Jesus heal people, uh, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. He'd seen him give this beautiful teaching. And then he'd seen him convicted of a crime he didn't commit and crucified by the Romans. And then to top it all, he denied him. He'd betrayed and denied his best friend. And it says, by the same writer of the book of Acts in Luke, Luke, Luke says that when he uh, did that, that he went out and he wept bitterly. I always thought it was one of the saddest verses in the Bible, that. Can you imagine how Peter was feeling after the crucifixion? Can you imagine how scary it is and unerring it is and discomforting it is to think this person, I believe, is the son of God, the Messiah, the chosen one, the one to come and lead us. And yet the same old enemy, the Romans, have killed him. I very much doubt at that point that Peter had a lot of confidence in the plan of God. But of course now with the other side of the resurrection, now as Peter speaks, he's, he's met the raised Jesus and everything has changed. He's had a revival of confidence in the plan of God. And perhaps that's why front and centre in Peter unpacking the good news is he talks about how all of this has been planned. When we get into the uh, first verse of our passage today, it says this. This is Peter speaking. This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. See that? The first thing he's trying to say, this hasn't caught God off guard. This hasn't caught him by surprise. No, It is the responsibility of those evil men. They take responsibility for what they did, but God is working through that and knew Jesus would be killed on the cross and used it to pay for your sins. They intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. He's saying here, this has always been in God's plan. On top of that, he then goes on to say that the resurrection, by the way, wasn't plan B. Oh no, they've killed Jesus, better raise him from the dead. No, that was planned all along as well. And Peter does this in a very interesting way. He goes back to the writings of that great king of Israel, King David, and he quotes David from one of David's Psalms, Psalm 16, where David says this, Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your holy ones see decay. And the question here is, well, who's David talking about? He's talking in the first person. So is he talking about himself? Is he saying, he, when he dies, won't be, uh, stay in the realm of the dead? His body won't decay? Or is he prophetically pointing towards his great descendant, Jesus Christ, that true king of Israel, Is he the one that will be uh, not abandoned to the realm of the dead, whose body won't decay? Well, Peter makes it very clear. David is not talking about himself. He's talking about Jesus and does it in a brilliant way, I think. He says this, like some great uh, Israel uh, tour guide. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. In other words, he's saying, and probably from where Peter is speaking around the temple grounds, actually the shrine of David's not too far away in the old city of David, and, and Peter is basically probably gesturing as he speaks. No, David's not talking about himself. David didn't stay, um, uh, wasn't released from the realm of the dead. His body uh, decayed. You can go and see the bones right now if you want. You can go over there and see his grave. He's not talking about himself. David was prophesying almost a millennium before that somebody will be raised from the dead, and that holy one is Jesus. So God knew about Good Friday and God knew about Easter Sunday. And then you can look in your own time, but Peter goes on to make a similar point about the ascension as well. In other words, he's saying all of this has been planned beforehand. Now again, this can get our brains whirring. It can make us a bit confused when we start thinking about how does this work? How is it that God can on the one hand hold people accountable for the evil that they commit, Or be not responsible for the things that go wrong in just a sinful, fallen world. But on the other hand, can work it to his own good. But that is what the Bible teaches. And my advice to you would be this. Don't let it confuse you. Let it comfort you. The reason Peter is doing this is not to bring confusion, but rather is to revive our confidence in the plan of God. To let us know that whatever is going on, that actually God is still on the throne, God is still in charge, God has not been caught out by this. God still loves you, he cares for you and he wants the best for you. And you might be looking and saying, Tom, you don't know my situation, you don't know the things that have gone on for me in the last year. And I want to say that just as the Apostle Peter could empathise with you, so can I. You know, I won't go into detail, but we've had significant loss over this period. And I don't want to be too so crass as just to say oh don't worry about it. <laughs> it's all in God's plan. You know, tap you on the shoulder and say everything'll be okay. But what I do want to say is this. Imagine being in Peter's position. There's no way you could have thought that God was uh, in that and loving him and about to see it through and bring it to good. And I believe whatever you're facing God can turn it around for good. If you're in a kind of good Friday situation right now, there's an Easter Sunday coming. And kind of say that even if it doesn't come in this life, let me remind you that the plan of God for your life, it doesn't stop at the grave. After that, there will be a day when he'll give you a brand new resurrection body. You'll leave in a, a new heavens and a new earth, a far better existence than this, one that uh, lasts forever, that's unaffected by job loss, by cancer, by COVID, by anything else. So let me help you. Let's, let's pray to the Lord that he might revive our confidence in the plan of God today. Secondly, I pray specifically that through this message and considering this good news, we will see a revival of confidence in the power of God today. Look at Acts chapter 1. This is after the resurrection and before Jesus has ascended to be with the Father. Look at how Jesus describes the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Notice that, he's describing this day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as an outpouring of power. And indeed, that's what we see from the day of Pentecost onwards, we see the power of God go out. First place we see it is actually in Peter himself. Peter is this broken man after the crucifixion who's denied his friend and Lord, who's scared along with all the other disciples, all the other followers of Jesus, doesn't want to be caught like Jesus was caught and so on. And then after meeting the resurrected Jesus, and I believe incredibly significantly, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, he's not denying Jesus, he's proclaiming Jesus to a crowd of thousands. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember when I first became a Christian, I remember the first person I told, uh, other than sort of family and so on, uh, that I'd become a Christian was my mate Dave, uh, who was in London. And I remember phoning him, I can still remember being on the phone in in the kitchen, and I can remember that my hand was shaking, and my voice was trembling, and I was feeling that kind of uh, sort of red hot feeling you get when you're a bit embarrassed, because I was telling him that, and it just didn't seem the kind of things me and Dave normally talked about. It was very, but you know what? I can't recognise myself when I think back about that conversation. I can't think why I would have felt like that. And do you know why? That's because that was the very last time I ever shared with anyone that I was a Christian before I was baptised with the Holy Spirit, before I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Once I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I've never had a problem since that day telling people I'm a Christian, witnessing uh, as a Christian, sharing my faith, not claiming to be the next Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke or anything like that. But I can say this, that I've experienced what Peter experienced here, and I hope you experience the same, that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you get a boldness to share your faith. The second place we see the power of the Holy Spirit here is we see it in the crowd. It tells us in verse 41 those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, the Apostle Peter wasn't like some kind of Cicero character in the ancient world, you know, known for his great oratory. He was by trade a fisherman. You know, he'd have been able to speak and talk and, you know, write and all that kind of stuff, but it wouldn't have been his thing necessarily. So when we see that he gives a message and 3,000 people respond, we're not seeing here the public speaking power of Peter. What we're seeing here is the power of the Holy Spirit to convict and convert people to the Lord. And you know what? If you read about great revivals, great outpourings of the Holy Spirit, such as the 18th century revival in this country, thousands upon thousands of people respond to those messages. You know, I, as a preacher, I've read those messages. Any of you who are budding preachers, you'll read those messages and you think, really? (laughs) You read this, this is what they respond to. But of course, it's not about the messenger. It's not about their oratory. It's simply about the good news. When you preach the good news by the power of the Spirit, people come to the Lord. And we need a revival of confidence in the Spirit if we're going to win the UK and the world back to Jesus. The third place we see the power of the Spirit in the book of Acts is from the day of Pentecost and onwards right throughout the book of Acts and beyond. The book of Acts is a book filled with the power of God, filled with miracles, signs, and wonders. You can just see it on every single page. It's a miraculous book. And I don't mean this as a downer at all, because we do see things in the church in the UK. We do see miracles, signs and wonders. But I don't think it's unfair to say that the church in the UK and right across the West, I don't think it's fair to say there's a bit of a disconnect between what we read in the book of Acts and what we actually see in the church in the UK. And again, I'm not saying that to be discouraging, but rather to encourage you. How many of us watching at home, uh, standing here in the auditorium, how many of us want to see an increase of miracles, signs and wonders in the church today? Well, do you know what? There is a connection between our confidence in the power of God and how much of the power of God we actually see working. I believe if we can have a revival of confidence in the power of God, we'll see the power of God all the more working in the church. In order to do that then, we have to raise our confidence. I, um, uh, there's a, a, a scholar called Craig Keener who's recently just finished a massive four-volume commentary on the book of Acts. It's causing a lot of um, excitement in the theological nerdy world, if I might call it that, uh, which I'm a part of. I'm not not looking down on people. And he was writing um, his introduction to the book of Acts, and he started to write something about the credibility of miracles, not least because he was quite sympathetic to the fact that a lot of people just simply can't believe in miracles today. And he was sympathetic to this, not least because... He was an atheist before he was a Christian, and he felt exactly that same way. So he started thinking that, you know, when he used to uh, hear about miracle accounts, he just had to assume they were late legends just added in, because after all, nobody attests to miracles today. So he starts writing the short explanatory footnote about the credibility of miracles in the New Testament and eventually started collecting little stories to add into this footnote about miracle claims and eyewitness claims to miracles today. And the footnote got got a little bigger and it got a little bigger and it got a little bigger and it got a little bigger and then eventually... The footnote became this. <laughs> this is entirely separate to the four-volume commentary on Acts. This is a two-volume, 1,100-page work called Miracles, The Credibility of New Testament Accounts. And the heart of that, those two volumes is essentially testimony after testimony after testimony of miracles, signs and wonders in the world today. That is... Multiple eyewitness accounts, sometimes backed up with medical certificates, sometimes with you know, personal knowledge and things like that. It's an incredible book. And reading that book has really helped me revive my confidence in the power of God. And not only that, I believe it really starts to sort of prick at this bubble a lot of people have, which is that they don't believe in the miraculous today. But I've come to this conclusion, that people don't believe in the miraculous in the West, not because they've looked for the evidence and not been able to find it, but simply because they don't believe in the miraculous. It is simply a sort of presupposition, just the way they think. But and the problem is, I think this is seeped into the church somewhat. So even as believers sometimes, we're a bit reticent to believe for that kind of stuff. We believe for forgiveness. We believe for sort of quiet uh, spiritual healing and things on the inside. But actually, we, we don't have the faith always for signs, wonders and miracles. Well, I believe we need a revival of confidence in the power of God. It happens today. It happened in the book of Acts. It can happen right now. So wherever you're at, I pray that we will receive a revival of confidence in God's power that we might see it all the more. And thirdly, my prayer to say is that we'll receive a revival of confidence in the promise of God. Look at verse 33, it says this, exalted to the right hand of God, talking about Jesus, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. What Peter is saying is, now Jesus has gone to be at the right hand of the Father. All those promises in the Old Testament that God would put his Holy Spirit onto, on the inside of people and pour his Holy Spirit onto people to empower them, those are all coming true. Because the Father gave the promised Holy Spirit to Jesus and Jesus is now dispensing that Holy Spirit to his followers. And Jesus said, "This do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water. Now, what does baptize with water mean? It means to dunk you in the water, to immerse you. But in a few days, talking about Pentecost, you'll be baptized at the Holy Spirit. So, what Jesus is saying is, John used to do that with water. I am now going to do it with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit that you might be dunked, immersed, covered, filled with the Holy Spirit." what's my point here? My point here is this, that I think there are probably many of you in the, uh, sound, within the sound of my voice who are thinking that actually as you look at this passage and what I'm speaking about, that actually the filling of the Holy Spirit is really for other types of Christians. It's not part of the normal Christian life. This is for the extroverts, perhaps the, the, the speakers, the people with ministries and so on. But actually the, the normal Christian life is really about sort of being, you know, just doing the right thing and and saying your prayers and all wonderful stuff, but I want to say that's not true. That actually just as the forgiveness of sins purchased by Jesus on Good Friday and Easter Sunday is for everybody, but so is the ascension and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that God as some kind of like you know mean boss arbitrarily gives out to some people and not others or picks out special people and non-special people. No, this is not given out, but this is a promise of a loving father who loves all his children and wants to pour out his Holy Spirit on all of us. So in a moment, as we close, I'm going to ask you to respond and I want to pray. For a filling of the Holy Spirit for anybody who's never been filled with the Holy Spirit, or for a refilling of the Holy Spirit for anybody that as to use uh, what Ellie was talking about last week, it was D.L. Moody's work, for anybody who's leaking, for any of us who need more of the Holy Spirit. So let me just say a short word of prayer to close, and then I'm going to ask you to respond. Heavenly Father, thank you for your promised Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you for your good news. Thank you that through him, we can receive your forgiveness and your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray for a revival of confidence in your plan, in your power, and in your promise this day. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, I'd love to, thank you. Wherever you are, I'd love to ask you to respond right now. So if you wouldn't mind, if you're here in the auditorium, just standing to your feet. Uh, If you're there at home, again, you can stand if you're comfortable doing that. And I'd love all of us just to hold our hands out as though we're receiving right now. And we're gonna pray in a moment for a filling or a refilling of the Holy Spirit, that we might be, have a revival of confidence for his plan, for his power, and the promised Holy Spirit today. But I wanna give an opportunity to any of you who have never come to know Jesus for the first time. So like the 3,000 who were cut to the heart knowing that Jesus had to die for their sins, perhaps that's how you're feeling right now. The thought that because of your sin, Jesus had to die on the cross to pay the price for your sin cuts you to the heart and you want to respond. Well, many people did and what Peter said to them was this, repent and be baptised. He was in a hot country and there was water nearby. We're not gonna do that right now. But all that is to say, to repent, to turn around and come to know Jesus. And then at some point in the future, you can be baptised in water. But right now, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus. So if that's you right now, just stay with your hands in front of you as though you're receiving forgiveness and the Holy Spirit right now. I'm just gonna say a quick prayer for you. Heavenly Father, will you come right now and assure these precious people of their forgiveness, Lord, based on their repentance and turning to faith in you, Lord Jesus, and what you did on the cross. Will you let them know that they're forgiven and give them a tangible sense of receiving your Holy Spirit right now in the mighty name of Jesus. If that was you, thank you so much. There'll be some next steps that you can follow. Actually, we'd love to uh, help you out with those next steps. But thank you so much for responding. And to all of us now, I wanna give us the opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It might be for the very first time because you've always excluded yourself from this kind of thing. Or it may be a refilling. In other words, it's for absolutely everybody. We're all God's children. This promise is for all God's children. So again, with your hands in front of you, So you're receiving, and you might wanna pray along as I do this, Uh, you know, it could be uh, in your own language, could be uh, in other languages, but I just pray, as as I pray for you, I pray that you'll be open to receiving a filling of the Holy Spirit right now. So Heavenly Father, thank you that you promised your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you that that is a promise for all of your children, Father. And you wanna give good gifts to your children. So, Heavenly Father, we pray right now that everybody who is here to respond, I pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit through your Son, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, pour your Holy Spirit on all of us afresh right now, that it might fill our hearts, that it might fill us from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet, Lord Jesus. Pour out your Spirit afresh, Lord. Lord, I breathe, following the Word today, that your Spirit might come and might revive us, Lord. Give us a revival, of confidence in your plan, Lord. I pray for anybody whose plans have been really shaken through the last 13, 14 months through all of this, Lord. For anybody who's had their confidence knocked in you, will you come and remind them that you're their father, that you love them, that you care for them, that you're watching over them, Lord. Come by your spirit, fill them and remind them right now. Pour your love into their heart, that perfect love that might cast down fear, Lord. And Lord, we pray for a revival of confidence in your power today, Lord. Lord, where we've read the Scriptures and we've kind of screened out the miraculous, the signs, the wonders, the awesome feats of power and might that you show, Lord. Lord, will you forgive us for that, Lord. And Lord, will you just help raise our faith, raise our confidence, and we might trust in you. I pray for healing in this place, the healing power of the Lord Jesus by your Holy Spirit. If you need healing right now, why don't you just place your hand wherever it is you need healing or place it on your heart if it's somewhere you don't wanna uh, touch right now or if you wanna do it on behalf of somebody who needs healing. Heavenly Father, we pray for everybody responding for healing right now. Lord Jesus, pour your Holy Spirit afresh for signs, wonders, miraculous healings today, Lord, that things might change. And Lord, I just pray that you revive our confidence in your plan, in your power, and in your promises today, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, come be with us by your Spirit that we might love you all the more. And we ask these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, everybody. God bless you.